Hi, my name is Oliver Thompson and welcome to the third episode of State of the World podcast. We have created State of the World with Igor Lis, Maxime Matthias, Flori Parensage to get insights from thought leaders in the domain of economy, politics, society and culture. Today, I would like to present to you Ole Bjerg. He is a sociologist and philosopher and teaching at Copenhagen Business School. He was my professor during my bachelor and an inspiration to me as a controversial thinker. He has been a very influential writer and written many books and articles about the economy, like money and debt, but also touched upon Bitcoin. He recently released his new book, The Meaning of Being a Man, that confronts men to make sense of ourselves. If you find it interesting, I will give you a link to the book in the show notes. Hi, Ole. Thank you so much for, for, for being here and for, for joining on us on this podcast. It's a huge honor to, to have you. So first of all, thanks. Thanks a lot. I'm, I'm very happy to be here. And as you know, you're one of my favorite students, Oliver. So uh, wow. <laughs> also for that reason, I'm happy. Damn, that, I wasn't expecting to hear that, but uh, <laughs> because uh, I, I wouldn't consider myself the, the best student, but um, but th- this is, of course, great to hear. There, there are different parameters on which you can measure the quality of a student. So, uh, and there's definitely a few para- parameters where you hit the, the very, very, very high level. So, uh, yeah. I'm very grateful for that. Where, where are you based right now? I'm actually in my, where I grew up as a child, I'm visiting my parents and they live in the same house uh, as, as they've ever, no, not where they've lived forever, but where they've lived for my entire life. So this is where I was born. And it's in the north of Denmark uh, in a place called Lytton, which is right on the coast. So this morning I was uh, walking on the beach with my mother. So I've had a, had a great day so far. Uh, yeah, very nice. Mm-hmm. It's a very peaceful place. I've heard. It is indeed. Yeah, it is. The, so the so the so the the coast here or the sea here is. It's this strange. On the one hand, it's a very I wouldn't say aggressive, but it's a very sort of turbulent water, or it can be at least mm-hmm. uh, like waves, and it's very sort of harsh. But then at the same time, there's also a certain sort of. Tr- tranquility in that or a certain mm. calmness in that so i really when i'm here i go to the beach two or three days two, two or three times a day um so uh, yeah i really enjoy coming here do you surf yeah i think you can surf there right i yeah you, you can surf and i i do i have surfed here and also elsewhere i'm not very good at it but uh, i have done it uh, and I can't get up, um, and it's, uh, yeah. I know this feeling. I, Are I you tried, good at it? I tried to learn it as well, but I never dared to do it in Denmark yet. I, I keep, uh, keep, keep always going to the south where, where it's warmer. Yeah, that's true. But the waves here, I think here, right here, is actually a very, very good place to learn it. Um, so... Um, yeah. How, how was your how was your holidays? Have you uh, what have you been been up to? Have you <laughs> made any new discoveries? I, no, I I went to another <laughs> I went to my another place on the west coast where my wife she has another summer house further down, so we went there 
uh, and all, even before Christmas, I went. I have my own summer house here, north of where my parents live, which is also by the sea. So, it's this is one of the gifts I've gotten from the Corona situation is that I, I go here, uh, yeah, a lot, uh, and I really enjoy that. So, um, I don't know if I've made any discoveries. Not really. I'm, I'm struggling. Oh, I wouldn't say struggling, but I'm. As everyone right now, I'm trying to make sense of this uh, situation that we're in right now, which is also why sort of the scope of this podcast, the state of the world, is a it's a huge question, but it's also the question that you need to uh, pose right now. I think, uh, and if you, I think now is a time for big questions because if when you when you ask small questions. You, I think you necessarily, well, it's very easy for you to err or be wrong or because in order to understand what's going on, you kind of have to look at everything at the same time, which of course is also impossible. But, but nevertheless, uh, I think this is what one needs to engage in right now. I think it, it brings me a bit further to, to, to my take on, on this project as well. Because yeah. I feel like that today there is a, too many people or too few who know too much or know a lot and, and too few who know too little. And today's access to, 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 to verified information uh, has been, 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 been like the information today has been questioned more and more. And this is why we want to bring together thought leaders and experts from, from different domains to to allow people to have a different take or see the reality from another perspective. And uh, this being said, you are like a very influential academic in the field of sociology, philosophy, economy. Uh, you are an inspiration to, to many students and you are very honest and, and just a nice person in, in general. Um, and that's also why we, we invited wow, you. Wow, now I get all flattered here, Oliver. <laughs> no, yeah. but it's, it's true, it's true. And I was just saying, now I get all flattered. And, uh, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, but of, of course, uh, that's also why we, we have invited you. And uh, I, I could go on, of course, but we, we posed this big question and, and we, we sometimes start out with it. And I would like you to, to, to answer or make your take on, on the, the current state of the world, if you, if you may. Yes. Mm. I think what I would like to start with is the realm of politics. So, you know, so... <laughs> Often you hear, we hear people saying about this corona crisis that it's unprecedented and everything is new and it's a new normal and everything, which to some extent is true. But I was also, I was also thinking about, is all of this actually new or what is not new in what is going on? And I think that in, in, in the realm of politics, there's something going on which is not new, but it's something that has been going on since yeah since 2001 i would say and it's i think it's kind of like a new paradigm of politics which is this governing 
by a state of exception. So we saw this with 9-11, you remember. So there was the... There was the World Trade Center uh, situation, uh, and and what happened there? And then we had this situation with Saddam Hussein, where they said, "Oh, he's gonna, he has these rockets, or has this secret weapon, and he can launch it, and he can bomb all of London in forty-five minutes, or something like that." And that kind of created this state of exception where we said, "Oh, this is no time for looking into." Uh, the rules governing governing or the laws governing uh, interactions between countries. This is not a time for human rights. This is not a time for careful consideration of whether we should go to war or not. This is not a time for bans on torture and so forth. So we had this sort of we sort of we said yes, we have these rules, but now the situation is so grave that we have to suspend all the rules and just. Uh, do what needs to be done. And I think we saw the same thing also around the financial crisis where um, some of the rules or the normal procedures around monetary policy and also about the relationships between the state and the private banking system were also suspended. So one of the things that came out of the financial crisis was this huge program of quantitative easing where central banks would just, and they're still doing that, where they would just create all this uh, money and send it into the private banking sector, which was, which is a extraordinary. It's crazy. It's, it's, uh, it's, yeah. And we haven't seen the eff- true effects of this initiative. And then there's a, this state of exception logic. We can also kind of see it around the discussion about the climate change where there's this tendency to say, now we're facing the end of the world. So now there's no time for democracy. There's no time for, we need to act now. We need to act fast. There's no time for nation states. There's no time for blah, 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 blah. We have to, yeah, just act. So, so, so we're kind of being conditioned into this, that we have to accept that the normal rules constitutional rules and so forth, they don't really count. They can be suspended. And I think that's what we're seeing. That's one of the things, or in, in, in terms of politics, I think that's what I see playing out now. We're saying, oh, now we have this pandemic. Now there's no time for freedom. There's no time for civil rights. There's no time for all this kind of stuff. Um, okay. So it was an opportunity for for the government to to do what they want. Yes, that is true, and and I I will say, however, um, it's unclear. I think now we now that we look back at nine uh, eleven, and we look back at the the war in Iraq and so forth, it's quite, kind of it's an easier to kind of see at least some of the motives behind that, what what went on there. It's kind of, we can kind of see, yeah, there was something about oil and also other things going on there. And they used this opportunity to kind of create this war. We haven't yet seen that here. I mean, or at least I, it's, it, for me, it's extremely unclear. What is it then that the 
på lige if if it if it does want something with us uh, what does it want what what is it that the government wants uh, to do with us and of course i mean there's also the opportunity or they would offer they would just say we don't want anything we just want to save you mm. that would be there and if you i think i i'm a little bit handicapped because i'm uh, <laughs> i can't help being a little bit skeptic <laughs> Uh, I'm a little, I don't know. I don't like people sort of ruling me, basically. Yeah. So and 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 so, uh, yeah. I, 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 yeah. I'm. I sometimes uh, when I can't sleep at night, I can sort of go into this mode of thinking. I wonder what they are up to. Uh, I wonder what they want. Uh, and it's not entirely clear. There's this. There's there's this uh, thing. Which seems to be, have you heard of the the Great Reset? No. Have you come across this? And also, it's, it's something that's um, it's a program or a manifesto or book or initiative. I don't know what to call it, which has been formulated by the World Economic Forum. Um, and. Uh, and what they're saying, so I haven't, so I've read some of the book. Um, uh, and what they're kind of saying is that now we have this crisis with Corona, and this is an opportunity for a great reset of the economy and all kinds of other stuff. So they're kind of saying, yes, we should use this crisis as an opportunity to do something. Um, and for me, I'm... Mm. again, I'm not sure what to really think about that because on the one hand, some of the things they're talking about are some of the same things that I've been talking about myself for 10 years. So it's like, uh, yeah, we need a monetary reform. We need central bank digital currency. We need governments to kind of take control of creating whatever money they need in order to do the kind of public investments or whatever they want to do. They're also talking about degrowth. Maybe we can have degrowth. Maybe that's not such a bad idea. Then they're talking about their own version of sharing economy, which is kind of like, so sharing economy is this idea that you, yeah, obviously you don't, you, rather than just own everything, you kind of share it with each other. Their version of it, I think, is more like, oh, let's have these big multinational corporation own everything and then we can lease it from them. I think that's kind of their version of it. Maybe you've seen some of these um, slogans. Have you seen this slogan where they say something along the lines of, I, in 2030, I don't own, I don't owe, I don't own anything. Uh, I have no privacy and I am happy. That's kind of the idea of or at least that's their own version of this great reset. Um, and as much as I think that, yes, of course, we should use this crisis as an opportunity to solve some of the problems that were there already before the crisis, I'm also a little bit... <sighs> yeah. I'm not sure the World Economic Forum is the place where I want these initiatives to come from. Uh, but then again, yeah, as I said before, I'm handicapped because I really don't like people. Yeah, I see what you're coming from. 
Sorry? Say again? Sorry, I, I was interrupting you. Yeah, no, I think you should interrupt me because I'm rambling now. So that's yeah, but the good I, thing. I, I, I totally know what you're coming from. And, and I think we've experienced like some kind of higher power that suddenly intervenes. And uh, it, it feels if you're if you're used to a sense of, of freedom, liberty, as we are in, in Denmark, then, of course, it can it can be overwhelming. In other countries, it, it might be less overwhelming and and they they might be more used to that there is a force uh, because there is also a certain relationship between between the state and, and us people. And if in a democracy, we, we have the power to, to choose who we want to govern. And sometimes they give us rules that we have to follow. And if we don't follow them, then they, they have to use more power to, to ensure that that the most people will 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 stay safe in a in a in a in a situation like this don't you think yeah yeah i i, I agree with I, i i agree with you i think for me the problem here i also i mean in many ways i also like rules i think there should be rules obviously i mean and and the role of the of government is of course to make rules that's like their primary function so there should be rules but i also for me It's very, I personally, for me, it's very, very difficult for me to follow rules where I, that I fail to make sense of. And that's kind of what I'm struggling with at the moment. Uh, there's, there's, there's too many of these rules where, and it's not, it's not just in my head, it's, it's in my entire body. My entire body cannot make sense of it. Mm. I mean, it's it's just it's it's just a uh, like uh, let's just take like a simple thing like not right now. So I'm visiting my parents. I'm not hugging my mother, and of course it's it's her choice. Or it, but it's there's it, there's just something in me that's saying how under what circumstance how is it possible. <laughs> That that it's that you shouldn't hug your mother. I mean, it's 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 like it's a little bit like saying, "Oh, now we have a state of exception. Please don't. You you shouldn't breathe. I mean, that, obviously we can't do that. But for me, not hugging your mother is it's right next to not breathing. Yeah, it's it's kind of in that. It's in the same class category of things uh so um yeah so this i really fail to some yeah i really fail to make sense of some of these things uh i was actually thinking okay so what 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 did we learn from last year i think netflix they just released this parody of 2020 and i was thinking uh Like one thing that would be my takeaway would be like sense making does not exist. Uh, but on the other hand, of course, there are a lot of things you can explain. Um, but for example, like if there's one thing that I, I realized from last year, then it would be how boring it can be to travel. And <laughs> yeah. And I think there are a lot of other things that that all of a sudden like changed uh, without even like realizing it. Uh, 
Um, and trying to, to navigate this, um, it, it, it feels kind of overwhelming. Uh, and, and we also see it on a personal level from, from many people uh, who have to stay inside and, and stuff like that. Yeah. What, 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 what's your take? Have we learned anything from last year? I think um, I'm not sure the word we is I don't I'm not sure we should ask have we learned anything I think um, I think every person needs to ask for himself for herself have I have I learned anything and I think the things and I think I think a lot of people have learned something uh, I think what people have learned are different things um Oh, let me ask you differently. Anything we should have learned, like then I say we again. But yeah, but I, um, but again, I'm, I'm. I think that's one of the. So when we so after the financial crisis, like you know, so a lot of my research and a lot of the, many of the books I've written, they've kind of been about money, and they and many of them they, they kind of they they've come out of the financial crisis in a way. They were kind of reflections on what happened after the financial crisis, and and they are. In all of these books, I kind of had these, yeah, this is what we need to learn. This is what we need to understand. This is what we need to do in the future. Um, but with this, with the corona crisis, I feel much, I feel very differently. I think, I think now is the time for each and every one of us to find our own solutions. Um, that's not to say that we shouldn't do things together. Um, but I think, and I think also you said this, I think I, I like what you said about, you said something along the lines of sense-making doesn't make sense or it's not a time for sense-making. And I think that's true when we look at like the outer world, if we look at politics, if we look at economics, if we look at health if we look at science, um, there it's very difficult right now to make sense. But I think there's another type kind of sense, which is something which is more an inner form of sense. It's something about getting in touch with yourself and finding kind of a certain yeah, meaning in your own life, uh, so to speak. I think that's that's kind of... Uh, yeah yeah and and i think that kind of truth or that kind of sense is something that each and every one of us needs to figure out for ourselves which is kind of also why i find that this um, which is also why I find that this Great Reset World Economic Forum is misplaced and mistimed. This is not the time for, I don't even know who these people are, for some whatever, 
something coming from above. Like, we, I don't know who they are. I never elect, voted for I, I have no relations to them. And then they come out with it. Yes, now we need to reach. It's not a time for that. Now is a time for all give us a rest and then for everyone to kind of look inside and say, okay, what's, what is it that I can, what is it that I should learn about myself here? Maybe. But there is, there is still like we, we, there has been an impact on the economy from the coronavirus and the, but the stock market. No, can I, can I, 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 I know I'm interrupting you, but I just want to specify this. When we say there's been an impact on the economy from the coronavirus, it's not entirely true or it's inaccurate. There has been an impact on the economy from the government's reaction to the coronavirus. So I'm, is, maybe I'm going into I'm, is, I'm also your teacher, Oliver. So there, yeah, yeah. 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 But uh, <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much for, for clarifying that. Yeah. And uh, I totally agree. And the, the response has been for many governments has been this fiscal stimulus, right? From the US, from the EU. Now they have finished to, to create this recovery fund. And like from a, from an economic perspective, uh, we 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 want to to get back on track uh, because a lot of a lot of people have have lost their business. Uh, and but on the other hand, if you have invested all your money in in a Tesla or whatever, you've made a lot of money, and and that would have compensated for for the Corona, so to speak. Yeah. Did we? Is it the right thing to do, to to um, to inject money like this? Well, I think in order to answer that question, you you, you first need to take a step back because it's yes, it's true that they they did this fiscal stimulus, but before they did that, they closed down major parts of the economy and then they did it and this is also, this is a key difference between the financial crisis and this crisis the financial crisis was something that kind of it was endogenous in the sense that it was something that was coming from inside the economy so to speak uh, it was tensions that had built up inside the economy and then they kind of culminated in this crisis whereas the crisis now has come from deliberate political decisions to close down the economy, and then we can then you can, then there can be different. There are diff, there are obviously different opinions about whether that was a good or a bad uh, decision. Some will say it's a necessary decision. That's not true. A decision we know that from existentialism, decisions are never necessary you you always have a choice and governments all they have a choice here so so when they say it's necessary or there is no other option that's not true mm. there are there are other options so they need to take that responsibility but so they close down the economy and then they do this fiscal stimulus uh, in order to compensate for that um, uh, i don't it's i don't know it's it's your, your question is whether that was a good or a bad thing. 
you, you, you can also say Sweden, they didn't, they didn't close down completely. That was, that was a decision they made. And of course, it has also their consequences. Yeah. Could, it, could we have responded maybe, differently? Yeah. Yeah. And maybe I'm not so... Um, there's something in me that says that as, as, as soon as we move into this question of whether this was a good or a bad decision or a good or a bad, the right or the wrong way to act, we're kind of moving into, I don't know. Um, uh, there's, there's a part of me, I don't I can't explain it. There's a part of me that wants to sort of set a parenthesis about that question. Maybe also because, well, they did it now. Yeah. So they, you can't undo it. So, so, so they, they did it now. And, and for me, I think it's also a matter of then just thinking about, so what's the meaning of what's going on now? Um, uh, I will say, I will, I will say, however, and this is some, and, and, and good, both, both good things and bad things can come out of that. But I will say that in terms of the interactions or relations between monetary policy and fiscal policy and the relationships between the central bank and the government, now the, I, I think that in Danish we say cat now the second. And I think in English, the word is the genius out of the lamp in the sense you can't get it back in. And now the thing that you and I or people like us have been saying for 10 years is like, well, if the government needs money, it can just create it. There's no sort of, yeah, they can just create it. They can have the central bank create it and then spend it into the economy. And I think that's that's now out in the open. So which means that all discussions about fiscal policy in in the future is going to be different so the scope of uh, scope of fiscal policy has become much larger than it was before again you can do that you can go, do good things with that you can also do very bad things with it um, so um, ask another question I'm I think we have moved into like this crisis increased our our the speed towards digital technologies and the interest in in especially bitcoin as well now we see like i think there was a study that about 80 percent of all the countries in the world they are doing research in one way or another about issuing a digital currency yeah. uh, please fact check uh, that <laughs> but um and I, this, yeah. so a central bank, the concept of a central bank digital currency is being discussed uh, a lot. And with now we have all this, this digital movement, uh, everybody are buying online, uh, people are gaming more. Yeah. Um, how, how, how can we build a, a society with a, with a digital currency and, and how is it any different from from what we have now? I think there's at least two questions here. One has to do with economy and the other one has to do with technology. Let's take the economy thing first. 
it is certainly true. I mean, uh, it's important. I know you know the distinction, but maybe some of the listeners are not. But it's important to distinguish between, on the one hand, we have cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin, uh, decentralized. And then on the other hand, we have central bank digital currencies. And they are two very different things. Uh, let's talk about central bank digital currencies, which is the idea or the concept that central banks, that ordinary money users like you and I, we can have an account directly with the central bank. So you, you, in that you kind of circumvent the private banks and you go straight to yeah, the central bank. And um, and this is an idea that I've also been promoting for many years. And curiously, now that it's and 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 for the last two years, and especially now, it's really picked up speed. Like when I started talking about it, people would call me a communist, and I was crazy, and it's never going to happen, utopia. And now it's just, yeah, uh, it's the new black in central banking. Um, and then. I'm again, and now I'm getting a little bit hesitant. Now I'm getting a little bit, hmm, uh, is this a good thing? It's a tool. It's a very powerful tool. And you can use it for good things, and you can certainly also use it for very bad things. Uh, And one of the things I could, one scenario I could see is that you would use central bank digital currency, you'll implement central bank digital currencies. And at the same time, you would also introduce universal basic income for the people who no longer have a job or no longer have a business with this crisis. And then you get a universal basic income. And then you say to people, yeah, we'll just create this money, put it into your account, and then you can, you don't have to work or whatever. Um and there's good things about that, but there's also <laughs> it could also lead to a certain sort of infantilization of people. Like now we are completely sort of in the hands of the mother government, right? Who is like sort of directly breastfeeding us through these central bank accounts. Um Yeah, we, we, we don't want the, the the banks to to be how do you say it like we don't want a bank run like we we still want them to to facilitate and to yeah to facilitate yeah that's the, another the thing yeah finance and capital right and measure risks and the the I think the, the I I think the key here is that the the power to create money is an extremely strong power and when you have strong power you don't want it centralized you don't you want you want it to be balanced between different sectors like all all other kinds of power so you don't so i think previously or and to some extent that's still the case too much power was to create money was concentrated in the private banking sector but i can see that what we're doing is we're taking all of that power and then moving it into like some conglomerate of the government and the central bank, and then we will have a, a power concentration there, which will, could be just as bad. So what we need to th- throw in the mix here, what we need to get in the mix here is some element of the productive economy and some element of citizens also having 
powers. And of course, sort of when I was, or we were, because it's not just, but, but when we were initially proposing, saying that central bank digital currencies would be a good idea, the idea was that, well, that at least that creates the opportunity for us to integrate the power to create money in some sort of democratic institution or some sort of democratic system. The problem now is that what we're seeing with the corona is it's, it's, it's kind of like parts of the government are really kind of, I don't, I don't know if you can say they're showing their true face, but they're, they're saying, they're showing us something about what they really think about democracy when, yeah, uh, there's not a lot of respect for democracy. So, so which also means that I, I get kind of hesitant about, okay, do we really want them to then create or control the money creation? I'm, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be very interesting to, to see how it plays out. And I think there are a lot of ways that this could be, could be done as, as you said, um, Without, without, I, there was without another, the, the yeah operations and the the people yeah I, I, but maybe we can throw cryptocurrencies into the mix but because maybe what could happen and I think also it's actually is it it is one of the reasons people ask why is it that why is it that Bitcoin is now setting new records. And people are saying, or some people are saying, oh, but it's why it's just a it's pyramid scheme, and it's it, it's not very functional, it's not very useful. Um, so this, I would say, well, uh, the reason why Bitcoin at the moment is rising is because the ordinary monetary system is deteriorating. So it's it, in a sense, it's not big. Bitcoin is not becoming more valuable, but ordinary money is becoming much less valuable. And that has to do with something I, we talked about before, quantitative easing. It has to do with the fact that central banks are creating money at a record speed right now. They're not creating them in the form of central bank digital currencies, but they're creating them in terms of central bank reserves, which is something else. Um, so a lot of people are kind of foreseeing that this money, money system is going to collapse at some point, and then they want to be somewhere else. And so I can, so I, in that sense, I also think that if there was a centralization of money creating powers around a central bank digital currencies, that would also spark just even more energy or into the creation of uh, all kinds of cryptocurrencies. So in that sense, it's, it's like the economy kind of, it balances, it, it tends to kind of balance itself out. Um, so. Uh, I, yeah. I, I think it's going to be interesting to see if the, if the U S dollar ever is going to collapse. Um, personally, I, I'm waiting for it, but let's see. I think that what we will see in, in the future, if we don't, that if we get this digital currency is this mix of cryptocurrency and this, we're going to have these fintech platforms where, where we can pay on different, in different ways, where 
companies will issue their own currency potentially then you can exchange on the platform you can pay in different value different measures and and it will have different prices uh, and you know the market will determine the price of the currency um so i think that's true up to you and i think these exchanges where you can switch between digital currency bitcoin maybe like a netflix uh, coin or whatever it it, it could be a, a way yeah. to incorporate it and and i think also at, at some point in the near future and maybe that's already happening the the existing private banking sector will be faced with a sort of existential question will they stay the way it is now they are kind of hooked into the central bank and the like sort of the national or supranational currencies like the euro or uh the danish krone and uh, the us dollar and so forth will they stay on that path or will they sort of disentangle themselves from that and then say no 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 this this is going to collapse at some point we better get out and we better change or adapt our business model to like a cryptocurrency world. So, so the things you're talking about here with Netflix coins and so forth, we could also see banks facilitating cryptocurrencies, right? And maybe you could, we could also have a scenario where we would have, on the one hand, you would have like dinosaur banks, which would be the ones that are still hooked into the ordinary currency. And then we would have like, uh, I don't know what we would call the other ones, like, but new banks or uh, yeah uh, that would do the other thing so um, um, yeah and I think yeah, and, and okay, in that sense I think I think we've, we, we've talked a lot about that and um, I would like to to change topic can I can, can I uh, there was something about technology I wanted mm-hmm. to say something about mm-hmm. Because it, this is also something that I'm hearing also with this crisis. We're saying, oh, yeah, this is pushing digitalization. I see that in my own world. I'm a teacher. So and most of my teaching in the spring and uh, and possibly or uh, no, no, in the fall, but and possibly also now in the spring is going to be online and all our meetings are online. So people are saying, oh, yeah, now now we're really taking a, a, a big step, digital step forwards. Uh, and also this, these great reset guys, they're also talking about all the possibilities of digitalization and artificial intelligence and so forth. And I think that's true. There's going to be a lot of that happen. But I also think something else is going to happen. I think, or at least I see the potential, and I think that potential will be realized by not everyone, but some people, is that we open, we figure out how much, we we, we kind of start cultivating our offline capacities, like meditation, for for instance. This is something I've been doing. Meditation or Qigong, I've also been doing that. I, 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 and I hear other people also doing that. So we figure out, I think we figure out, oh, wow, we're, I'm only, as a human being, I'm only using 20% of my potential. All these things my body can do, it can do tantra sex and meditation and family constellation, another thing I'm doing, all these kind of stuff. So I think we will also see like a, 
yes, there, there's a, there has been a digital revolution and it's moving, but I think there will be an offline revolution also where we will kind of rediscover like our offline capacities um, uh, and that gives me hope. Uh, Maybe that's also I, 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 why there has been this sense of uh, urgency towards sustainability, you know, to, to save the planet. Uh, there is a lot of energy and a lot of beauty, aesthetic in, in, in the nature that people want to preserve. And I think like yeah. the corona has maybe helped or shifted people's priorities. And um, for me personally... Yes. I I I I find a, a lot of great a lot of peace and uh, for me it's very meditating to be in the nature and to go skiing or go to the mountains or go surfing or whatever and I would I would I would not like that to to disappear um, no I I hear that I I I spoke to a friend yesterday uh, and he has a lot of friends in the US he says people are um, Uh, what abandoning LA and New York? They're moving. They don't. They don't want to be in the city. They're moving out. Um, so I, I think we can also. We could also see maybe sort of a, a reversal of this urbanization that we've been seeing for the last. I don't know how many even hundreds of years maybe, but it, it, sort of a counter-movement. Like um, like you said, so you before you said this thing about how boring traveling can be. Um, and I've also, ever since I was a child, I was kind of fascinated with big cities. But over the recent years, this fascination has just faded. I mean, they just, <laughs> they look alike in some ways, like, uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, so, so that's just to reinforce what you're saying. I, I, yeah. I, I could certainly see. Um, and I would also say, so I've also been involved in this climate change, whatever politics. But what I found uh, in that was that this whole idea of mobilizing around preventing climate change it's a very abstract thing and it's all about numbers it's about degrees it's about co2 in the atmosphere and so forth it's very abstract things that we can't see so in that sense it kind of contradicts what nature is actually it's very abstract it's very scientific it's very oh all these experts and all this yeah and i think that's one of the reasons why it's kind of failed to I mean, of course, it does appeal to people in a certain way, but it hasn't really mobilized people. And that's because it's, it's, it's still appealing to our cognitive senses and to our fear rather than and, – and I think maybe what we could see now if, 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 if people take this opportunity to kind of reconnect with nature is that rather than saying, oh, yeah, we must do this and that in order to prevent the whole world from going under – because of climate change, we could kind of say, no, let's do this because I just like to go to the beach. I think, oh, I think the forest is a great place. Uh, or even I go to the forest so I don't have to fly to Thailand or something. So, yeah. Um, yeah, finding, finding some, some inner peace and some, some acceptance. Yeah. I think um, it's a very powerful thing and uh, 
especially when you practice meditation, I think you it 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 changes your your perspective, uh, and you yeah. start to to open up a bit um, towards a, a new. You do it understanding. I I don't do I do it sometimes uh, on yeah. not very regularly. I practiced it uh, for doing my studies uh, for ah. for some years. Uh, on a regular basis and it was very transformative once you you do it regularly and you enter the stage where you your consciousness and unconsciousness somehow separate and you you start to feel everything before it it emerges uh, your emotions you be you become able to react upon them and that's um it, it was very scary, to be honest, for me personally in the beginning. <laughs> Did, was it scary all the time, or was it just like a phase? Uh, no, like you, you, you. Uh, it was a phase, you know. It depends on. Sometimes you wanted to challenge it, you know, and sometimes I felt like you know it was I was becoming less human because I was not that uh, emotionally responsive. Ah. Uh, so that that's what made it scary, but it also. Uh, made it very, very, of course, very useful in situations where you didn't need to to respond very aggressively or or look at things from a different light. Like what one thing I saw was that everyone else, everyone has a different soul, and I was always thinking that I was living in this in my own own universe, right? And all of a sudden, doing a meditation, I feel like I entered all the bodies of everyone else, and. <laughs> And that suddenly, like, like all of a sudden, I, I I moved from my own to another one, and th- that blew my mind. Uh, wow! So I, I suddenly felt a, a different connection with other people and different love with for other people after doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and I after I did that, I was like preaching it to everyone, like you should start doing it. I think it should be mandatory in school, uh, but. Like it, it's easier said than done, of course. Yeah, but the, uh, yeah, uh, this is this is beautiful, um, and it also. I'm, I'm, I'm. In, the Germans, they have a word, they which is Gelassenheit. Do you know that? I don't even know if you. I know you know French, but Gelassenheit. You can even if you don't know German, you can almost hear what it means. Gelassenheit is just like, mm-hmm. oh, you just sort of, and that's kind of that state you can get into where. You you sense an emotion, but you kind of have this. You don't have to react on it immediately. You can just ah, oh, here's this emotion. Now I get a little bit of anxiety. Um, I'll just leave that, and then it kind of disappears. So you get this sort of sense, uh, and I can certainly, um, I can certainly, yeah, I can also recognize some of that. Uh, and then I want to say. I don't know if we should get too personal, but this, I think you have a, I could admit, I don't know you that well, but I do know you. I, I think you have a certain gift for that because you're, you're quite, you're quite sort of intuitive in a sense. And and you have, I think you have kind of sort of, you're kind of in touch with your, <laughs> with your emotions and your body. I can just, just a little, I know you, you, you come across as someone who's kind of like grounded in yourself so uh, yeah, I, I think I certainly think you have a. a, a I think I think my studies 
helped a lot, you know, at at the program that you've been teaching. I think, and I think if I if I could choose one, I think you would be one of the reasons I entered this program to begin with because I was doing this intro session for while I was in in, in high school, and I entered CBS, and you were doing a guest lecture or for the program about addiction, I think, or poker or something, and that really. Oh, yeah. got- caught my attention and I was like I never really looked at at, 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 at CBS or the this program and I associated, associated myself with a different path and 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 this program of studying business philosophy really like opened up um, my my ideas and my uh, I think yeah my uh, my ambitions mm-hmm. um, to explore and uh, that I think that that probably made, helped me to to get started as well on on the meditation. So thank you for that. Oh wow! Uh, wow, Oliver, you have you have also <laughs> written a book called "The Meaning of Being a Man," and we we are both uh, men. Yes, biologically speaking, and from from what I know. This book is is an alternative to the conventional talk about gender and identity while using some ideas and concepts from philosophers uh, like Martin Heidegger and Hannah Arndt. And it is targeted people who are discontent with the contemporary literature about men and women. Yes. That's correct. Yeah, that's very correct. I know this field have have interested you for a long time because I I've heard some of your your other podcasts, and then Jordan Jordan Peterson, this Canadian uh, psychologist, some kind of sparked the interest and and made you kickstart the this the work in this book. What is it that we do not understand about us men or what is it that us men need to to learn? Because on the one hand, they are loved by women and for many reasons, but on the other hand, they are hated and they are like the the, the course for, for evil. And we see that uh, in in many places of the world. So what 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 to how to understand this? Yeah. So just to, this is not the, but I think one thing that men today, we actually need to learn something from the women. And the thing we need to learn from the women is that in the 70s, in the 60s, kind of in the that era of feminism, what the women did was that they started asking themselves the question, what does it mean to be a woman? And rather than asking the men, what does it mean to be a woman? The women got together with only other women and talked about this. And they've been very good at this. They, they, are, they used to be good at this. They're not so good at it anymore. Uh, it's kind of coming back, but there's been, in the 70s, they were really good at this, sitting together, talking about what it means to be a woman. We men, we need to do exactly the same thing. We need to ask the question, what does it mean to be a man? And rather than then going to the women 
and asking them or, or having a conversation with women about what it means to be a man, the men should get together and talk about what it means to be a man. Therefore, the book, I write explicitly in the beginning of the book that a book is written for men. It doesn't mean that women can't read it or shouldn't read it, but it means that when I'm talking, I am imagining that I'm talking to only men. Um, and why is that important? Well, it's important for many different reasons, but one of them is the thing that you actually raise yourself is that women, <laughs> they send mixed signals to men <laughs> and and that's fine. That's how it should be. On the one hand, they want us and they love us and they need us and they admire us uh, and they, they are impressed by us. They like us on the one hand. And then at the same time, they also complain all the time. We're not good enough. We're evil. We're bad. We're toxic. We're all this kind of, and we're standing in the way of their life and all this kind of stuff. And rather than, than trying to sort of find yourself in that space, it's a space that doesn't, it contradicts itself. It's, 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 it, it doesn't make sense. It's like, it's like the Corona policies. <laughs> they don't make sense. And this other thing, it also doesn't make sense. Maybe it makes sense to them and then that's fine. But it, for a man, to, if you start navigating that, you get lost. You can't. So you need to kind of move into yourself and then get together with other men. And when you get together with other men, what you discover is, first of all, that being a man is a gift, it's a gift and it's a, and, and I'm just going to, this is obvious. Being a woman is also a gift. Both of them are, of course, right? So, the, but the first thing we need to figure, okay, this is a gift. So we've been, from birth, we've been given a gift. So the question that we need to ask ourselves is, wow, I, I've been given this gift. What can I do? What should I do with this gift? And this is also why I don't talk about gender in the book. I don't use the concept of gender because as soon as you use the concept of gender, you are intellectually sidetracked. You, you, we think it's a neutral concept, but it's not. And the thing that is wrong with the concept of gender is that it starts, it kind of says first you have a gender. And then that gender can either be man, woman, or maybe even seven others, you know, that discussion. But even if we just stick with the two, it's kind of saying first there's gender and then there's man and woman. But when you think of it, that doesn't make sense. That's not how we experience ourselves. Have you, I could, have you ever seen a gender? No. No? Never, it, because it doesn't exist? No. What color is a gender? It's the same as saying, have you ever seen an animal? How many legs does an animal have? You can answer this question because an animal, it's an abstract category. Whereas we, we know what a man looks like and we know what a woman looks like. So, and, and, and also, mm, the other thing is also, you said in the beginning that we are both 
you and I, we are men biologically speaking. That's that's true. But I would that's and that's I use Heidegger to kind of make that point. I say, well, first of all, being a man is an ontological condition. And what does that mean? Well, it means that when I'm born into the world, uh, I relate to myself as man. So I'm kind of born with this question, which is, what does it mean to be a man? And I have to figure that out. And of course, this is not this. It doesn't mean that all men should be in a certain way. It's a, it's a thing that you kind of need to find your own way. I mean, all men are find different paths, but mm. but it's but but there's a difference between saying what does it mean to be a man and what does it mean to be a human being. And I would say that the the first one is more there's more calories in the first one and it's also more it's more demanding is it the than, same as saying being you have to be a better version or what does it mean to be a better version of yourself yeah yes it is and it's also if if you say through the words or being a man it's it's both a descriptive term but it's also an ethical term. Whereas being a human being is only a descriptive term. So that means that when I'm born, I'm a human being. I don't have to do anything to become a human being because I am a human being. Nothing is going to change that. When I'm born, I'm a man in this. Of course, I'm not a man, right, when I'm born, but I am, I'm a boy, right? So, so in that sense, it's... It's, it is something that is there from the beginning. But we also all know, all men know this, <laughs> that it's also something you have to grow into to become a man. It's also an ethical calling. You can, so I, have, I make this example in the book where, say, imagine your own funeral. And imagine someone standing up, could be your wife, could be your best friend, could be your brother, whatever. A person stands up and makes a speech on you, Oliver. And then when I say, I'm going to give you two propositions, then you can sense into your stomach how the two of them feels differently. The first one is they say, Oliver, he was really a good person. The second one was, Oliver, he was a really good man. I know I can sense the difference. I don't know if you sense the difference. I sense, I sense the difference. And yeah. uh, I, I've thought a lot about it before our, our talk as well. And there is a lot of power and a lot of associations with the with the notion of, of being a man. Yeah. Um, and but also very abstract. Uh, I would I would agree, disagree with that. It's not very abstract. It's something I have so I have another example I make in the book is from my own life. When I was this I, I grew up in the in the well, 80s. I, I'm born in 1974. And then I remember sometime in the mid-80s, uh, the first Rambo movie came out, First Blood, with the Sylvester Stallone. And I remember seeing this. I, I wasn't allowed to see it for my parents, so I saw it with a friend at his house. And and I remember we saw this movie and we were like completely, wow, we'd never seen anything like that. And then I remember the local toy store 
started selling these Rambo knives. I don't know if you know that they had like a compass at the end and there was a fishing thing. And then there was these, yeah. And it was just like, we just wanted a knife like that. And I couldn't have one for uh, my parents didn't want to. Yeah. Uh, But my friend got one and it was just, and we just knew we need, we, we knew we need that knife. We need to have that knife. Why do we need a knife? Why, 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 why would we? Because we could kind of sense this is stuff that this is the kind of stuff that you need to be able to handle in order to be become a man. Mm-hmm. So it's not abstract. It's very concrete. Boys know that they are a boy. I have two boys. They know it. <laughs> they know they they. And of course, it's also that's also I think some of the all this gender talk and all these LGBT or whatever things about that. I think it's also, it's also difficult. And a lot of people kind of stumble in it and they get lost and they can't, and it's demanding and they, um, and, and, and I have a lot of sympathy for that. So it's, it's not that um, it's difficult, but it's also demanding, but it's not. I I know, I know what you mean. And what I mean by abstract is, is that it's, it's kind of hard to define. Yeah, that is true. And, and um, for me, because I was I was trying to make up all these ideas, and I like your your example mm-hmm. of Rambo, but you know uh, you can also see like I also picture a, a, a handsome guy in a suit being very a gentleman. Yes. yes. Right. A different a different ex- and that's why I mean by by the different it, it comes out in in different formats. Yeah, no, that's very true. But but where, where does this inspiration come from? Have we what what are we uh, what have you seen in 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 society that <laughs> that makes you write this book like or have this in the back of your mind for so long? It's a few things. I think the first one was Uh, I remember when I I remember when I studied sociology in the 90s and I remember being interested also in I mean I like being a man I like women I think that it's like the it's the source of life it's like yeah so I was kind of interested in these questions and then I started uh, uh, studying sociology and then within 10 seconds or maybe a little bit more, but very quickly I figured out, found out all of the theories or at least the ones that I was presented with that had seemed to have anything to do with this made no sense to me. Absolutely no sense. At best they made no sense. At worst they were misleading. So I kind of thought, okay, fine. I'll just, uh, I'll study, I'll, I'll just not engage with this topic and then, yeah, uh, pursue other interests instead. So, so that's the first thing that happened. Then another thing that happened was that I was, uh, when my first son was born, uh, we, his mother and I, we kind of 
fell out and uh, we weren't married, but we stopped being together. And then there was all kinds of conflicts around him and all this kind of stuff, you know, like uh, custody and all that stuff. And then in that process, I was sort of involved with the legal system around that. And then I was just like, what is this? I mean, this, you've probably heard stories about this. It's absurd. It's, uh, and it's so, it's extremely, it used to be very hostile to fathers. Now, as I've heard, it has, I don't know if you can say it's improved, but now I think it's hostile to both fathers and mothers. So in this sense, there's a little bit more equality there because it, it just ruins everyone. It, just, it used to just ruin the men. Now it just ruins anyone, everyone. So anyway, and that for me was also a, I, I had been hearing this, oh yeah, we have equality in Denmark and all this. And then I was just like, Boom, hit with that hammer in the head. Um, yeah, and then I think for me, I kind of found out, I, I, I came to realize that that these issues, they were not just issues of legal system or sociology. They were kind of even much deeper. And... Um, um, and also the other thing, which comes back to something we talked about already, is this my own sort of realization of what a great resource it is to be in touch with your own masculinity and femininity for that matter, but being in touch with, with me, be, with the implications of being a man, rather than just being in touch with whatever it means to be a human being. There's so much power in that, good power in it. Mm-hmm. Um and so, yeah, so that's that's also kind of what I want to bring uh, into the book. And but you, you, because sometimes you did you see that we were moving away from being a man? Like you see, uh, sometimes, yeah. sometimes you, you, you might notice it uh, on a person. Yeah. He's not he's not in touch with himself. He's not in touch yeah. with his masculinity or femininity. Yeah. And um that makes you want to change that. Wants to yeah. help them. Yeah. And and that's what this book is about. It's at least I mean I think I, I um, it's not a it's more of a philosophical book than it is a, like a self-help book. Um, others have written really good self-help books. So, and, uh, but anyway, but, but it is true. What I want with the book is actually to kind of open this question. And then for that to lead into people kind of realizing this potential. And if, if, if we can, something I went right when the Corona situation crisis, right when that started in the spring, I was contacted by a journalist and she wanted to be, do a debate on the radio where we were to discuss whether female leaders were had been or were better at handling the corona virus. So they were kind of like pointing to Mette Frederiksen and Angela Merkel and I can't remember the woman in uh, New Zealand, I think something else. Mm-hmm. 
I ref- I said no because I th- I thought the whole premise of the was just absurd. It was just so absurd for five different reasons. And I also knew that oh, getting into that debate was just gonna yeah not gonna lead any place uh, good. So I said no. But but still, this question kind of it it has kind of stuck with me mm-hmm. because there was something in it. And now, what I've come to realize is that when I look at the politicians today, and that applies to both men and women, uh, both to some extent in terms of the handling of the corona, but also another big thing that's happening at the moment is this sort of Me Too thing. Mm -hmm. And when I look at the politicians who are involved, uh, what I see are leaders or politicians who I see men who are not in touch with their masculinity, and I see women who are not in touch with their femininity. I, I see yeah. unbalanced people. Yeah. And the solution here, and people think, oh yeah, so the solution to that is to abandon all talk about masculine and feminine and just pretend that doesn't exist and that we're all these neutral human beings. Nothing good comes of that. Nothing good comes of that. I wanted to show you a, a video, but I, I couldn't find the, the exact video clip. But it's a, it's about a politician called Paul Nyrup Rasmussen, who is being interviewed together with Anna Foe. And where the interviewer, the journalist, asks about the trustworthiness of Anna Foe. And where he just clearly like said, says, like this, this question, you cannot ask this is inappropriate and this uh, we will not enter a discussion where the journalists ask questions about all kinds of emotions and it's it's taking the wrong path and our agenda is differently and for me this was an example of you know a man that was in touch with his masculinity because he he wasn't um, moved away by by his course or by by the journalist questions or by by the other people in the room and and i that's there was it was an old clip and i would be very surprised to to see a similar reaction today yeah uh, i yeah, don't know I think, if you yeah. if you have if you have have seen the same thing but for me, um, I hope I hope I hope we could 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 go back uh, to to some of these old, like old values. I don't know if it's old values because I, I assume it has been there for for a long time. They've been there for a very long time, and it's not something we. That's also why. That's also why I, I like to avoid the word gender and talk about men and women instead because when you talk about gender it's it's it it tends to be something that is in front of you that you then have to construct or you have to decide or you have to figure out or you ha- or, or 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 you to have to create you have to create your own gender whereas when you talk about men and women it's something that's behind you it's something that's been given to you it's something that's coming from your father and your mother so it's it's something that's been passed on to you that you then have to do something with, but you don't have to create it yourself. So in that sense, you make when we talk about gender, we make ourselves bigger than 
gender in a sense. But if we talk about man and woman, we're more humble. It's something, it's bigger than us. But that also means that it's a great, um, it's, that's also why I, I think if, if you meet someone, if you meet a man who's not in sort of a balanced relationship to his masculine and his feminine side, they, they are connected in the sense that if you're not in touch with your masculine side, you're also not really in touch with the feminine. It, it, or you need to be in touch with both in order to have them balanced. So, and that goes for both men and women. If they're not in touch with kind of these, their own being a man or their own being a woman, it's, for me at least, it's very difficult for me to trust them. Yeah. It's just... I don't because they're not um, they're not in touch with something that's bigger than themselves. So, yeah, I, it gives me uneasy. I, um, I I really agree with this. I had a long talk with some friends about this topic, exact topic, uh, a few days ago, and um, we 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 because a lot of a lot of women have, of course, experienced like traumatic have had traumatic experiences from men um, trying to use um, mm. their power and having sexual intentions which is of course inappropriate so there is a need for men and women to learn to balance their 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 masculinity and i think also become in peace uh, with themselves because it gets perceived differently in many ways and the intentions can often be perceived very differently. So there is it's it's a it's a it's a hard um, it's a gray zone uh, because it is. But I also see what I see. Yeah, what I was what I see in this Me Too situation or whatever we like to call it it's I, I again i see similarities to the this political paradigm that i was sketching in the beginning where we kind of invoke a state of exception in the sense that if someone says i was if a woman says under certain but if a woman says i was exposed to something unpleasant even if it's 10 15 years ago Then the whole system today, for some reason, kind of goes in complete like state of exception. Says, "Oh yeah, it's true. Yes, we have. There are rules. There are labor market rules. There are just uh, the law and stuff. There are rules for what you can do to each other. However, and there's also procedures for determining whether people have done something wrong or not. And there's proportions in terms of how they would be punished. But if you If someone right now, if someone kind of says something, me too, something, then all of these procedures, all of these rules are kind of suspended because we're saying, yes, it's true that we have these rules. However, now, because for whatever reason, we have a state of exception. Mm. So now is not a time for, uh, now is not a time for uh, hearing different versions of a story. Now is not a time for nuance. Now is not a time for forgiveness. Now is not all that out the window. And then we just destroy people's lives. So it's kind of like, um, it's a little bit like when after 9-11, if you were accused 
of being a terrorist. It's not like they will say, okay, yeah, let's have some witnesses and let's go to a trial and let's see if what you've done. No, no, no. It's just like, yes, Guantanamo right there. We don't want to listen to you. And it's the same. Of course, it, I mean, we're not, I mean, yes, Dorf has not been thrown into Guantanamo, but, but kind of the, like the, <laughs> the mechanism or the, the paradigm is, yeah. is, is similar. Um, uh, yeah. And I, 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 it's, and I'm not sure where it's coming from, but I'm sure it has, it also has something to do with, uh, the feeling of identity and the feeling of, of, of self. I've been, yeah. but yeah, that's, that's, that's another, another talk. Um, but I think I think the the bottom line here is uh, without because I think this this discussion can can last last very long, and it I think every, long, yeah. <laughs> already. And I think a lot of people have to to figure out uh, their own answers. Uh, so I think if I don't know what the what the advice uh, would be to 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 men, men and women, but from what I hear you saying is that you should meditate and. Uh, gather, gather, gather with your with your local. Uh, uh, not local doesn't mean, but same same gender, so to speak, and figure out what does it mean to yeah. to 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 be true to yourself and be in 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 peace with your masculinity or femininity. Yeah, and look at look at look at your look at being a man and look at being a woman as a gift. Um, and uh, and also uh, the other thing is also if you're a human being you can potentially be everything that's also what we hear yeah you can be everything you, you, you oh you can just be everything you want that's what we want to encourage in our children and on, on one hand that's a good thing but there's also something in saying no I cannot be everything I want I can't be a mother for instance there's no chance I can be a mother and also If I want to be a father, I need someone else who has something else. So this whole idea that I need something who that is different from me, there's something humbling in that, and we need to. That's a that's a, and that's a good thing. So we need to uh, all this talk about yeah, women are going to take over the whole thing, and we don't need the men. Bullshit! It's bullshit, and it's. It's not only bullshit, but it's misanthropic. It's talk that doesn't like yeah. human beings at all. It's it, it's it's not a, it's not good. Don't go there. And and also, but trust us, they don't mean it. People who talk like that, they don't mean they 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 talk like that because there's something inside of them that's really hurting, and they are they don't have the. <laughs> Like when you meditated first, you you stuck with your meditation, right? These people they don't stuck with their meditation. They 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 do other things instead. So uh, yeah, yeah, it um, it's a very dangerous path to 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 enter, and I think um, we 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 can do better as uh, as as men and women together. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. Um, so I want if if I, I if we, if we're about to, I I want I want I I really want to end up on a positive note. So uh, yeah, if you can. But I don't know if we're kind of wrapping up now. 
Yes, a bit. Yeah. Do you have? Yeah. Yeah. Go. Go. Um, go okay. It's it's because it's it's also for my own because I sometimes with this whole Corona thing it can kind of sometimes I just go down a rabbit hole or something like that and it's not good for me. So I'm always kind of looking for where's the hope, where's the opportunity, and where's. And I've been thinking about in terms of sort of making sense of. I'm going back to the initial question here. How, how can we make sense of the world today, and how can we make sense of this Corona? And one of the things I've kind of one of the ways I've done that is by thinking thinking of the Corona as a virus, and that you could say, well, that's obvious. That's what it is. Yeah, but not just thinking about it as a virus that attacks the body, but as a virus that has attacked all systems of not just the organic system, but also the political system, the science system, the economic system, the health system, and so forth. And the thing about viruses, which is something that tends to be, f- the thing about virus, it's, you know, yeah, you obviously know Nietzsche. He said, whatever, whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger. That applies to viruses. They can either, they can, they can kill you, but if they don't kill you, then you, it's because your immune system kind of learns from the virus and then recovers. And then after that, if you allow your immune system to do that, or if your immune system does that, you become stronger. And that applies to all systems. So there's a potential here. And I think that, so our, I think our society has been hit by a virus. And the question now is whether, how strong is our immune system? How strong is the immune system of the society? Um, and I think it's strong. So I think, I think, I think something is also going to die. I think there's elements, yeah, things that weren't f- functioning properly, they're going to die. And I'm not talking about, there's also going to be human beings, but that's not what I'm talking about here. Uh, but I also think, I think our uh, immune system is going to kick into gear and then uh, it's going to yeah, take off. Come out. This year, it's going to take off. This year will be the year yes. where where we go to Mars, maybe. But well, like, now you're starting another. Like, we go to. Uh, here's what we're going to do. The spaceship. You know, I, I want to read. You know, emotionally speaking, like metaphorically speaking. Here's what's going to happen. I, I want to. I insist on rephrasing this. What's going to happen in 2021 is that the men are going to go to their inner Mars and the women are going to go to their inner Venus. That's what's going to happen. And then Elon Musk is going to go somewhere else. Maybe I don't care. But each and every one of us is going to start our own rocket in a rocket and then go to Venus and Mars. That's my prediction. I'm looking very much forward to that. Thank you so much for 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 being here and 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 sharing your your thoughts with us. It's been a huge honor, and I can't wait to 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 stay in touch. Certainly, I'm. Uh, yeah, I, I'd be happy to participate in whatever you come up with, Oliver. Uh, I have blind faith in you. So uh, yeah. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it's been a real pleasure.